This bonus episode of We Are The Weather is a global community programme I'm working on with my friend Patrick Abrahams, the UK Men's Shed Association and Froome FM. It's called Shed Happens Even If You're Self-Isolating. Please get this podcast to as many people as possible as it really could help someone in these times. Thank you. Bonus episode one. First aired Wednesday the 25th of March 2020 with your host, Patrick Abrahams. In the shed, the shed, me lovely little shed. Might as well get a chest to peel the toilet and the bed. It's the only place where I can go and tinker with my toys. Go and find solitude with a bunch of ugly guys. Be break. Hello, I'm Patrick from the Froome Men's Shed. This is Shed Happens Even When You're Socially Isolated. The coronavirus pandemic and the latest government instructions have resulted in all of the 600 men's sheds across the whole UK closing, including four sheds in Froome. If you haven't come across sheds before, men's, women's and community sheds provide local people with a space to work together on practical projects. The sheds are equipped with tools to get the jobs done and the people who go, we call them shedders, work on projects for themselves, other charitable groups, and schools and people in the community. Now it's really tough for the sheds closing because they were typically set up to help people for a wide range of reasons, including those who feel lonely or isolated. However, with so many people now isolated across the UK, we feel that the content of this program could be helpful to all kinds of people, not just shedders. To help shedders stay connected, the UK Men's Shed Association, working with the Froome Shed and Froome FM, is launching this two hour weekly radio show called Shed Happens, even when you're self-isolating on Froome FM every Wednesday morning from 10 a.m. starting today. Um, How many weeks will it go on for? Well, we don't know. Please, please all follow strictly the guidance issued by UK government or other statutory authorities regarding the coronavirus, specifically those listed on the NHS coronavirus website. Just search for NHS and coronavirus to find that, and also the government website on this. Just search for coronavirus and .gov. You can also register with the government site to receive updates via email if things should change, either as things change instantly, daily or weekly. Now, coming up is a short taster of what you might expect to hear in the show today. And by the way, there is a reference to shoulder to shoulder in this clip. And I must remind you that this is shoulder to shoulder based on social distancing. That's two metres apart. Welcome to Shed Happens in Glorious Stereo, broadcasting around the UK and around the world. In today's show... Try our best to be compassionate, drop our egos, and just act in the best interest of everyone, and actually begin to stand shoulder to shoulder. These scammers are really devious, and they don't have a a conscionable thought in their mind. Is that the right word? Sharing a misleading post is far more dangerous for our friends and family than not sharing it at all. We'll never know who did it, what their motive was or why, or what brand of role they hoarded. Was it centred or two-ply? Shit happens even when you're self-isolating, so self-isolate responsibly. 
The show will be streamed all over the country and feature interviews with shedders talking about their sheds and what they get up to in them. We're also finding out how people can stay connected wherever they are. To ensure socialization and respecting people who are already self-isolating, um, this show was recorded on the 24th of March, 2020, with none of the people contributing actually meeting. So please let us know how you think the show could help you. If you've got ideas, suggestions, or would like to contribute in future Wednesday morning Shed Happen shows, do you have any some music maybe you've composed? So please contact us at shedhappens.ukmsa.org.uk. Now, in these dark times, we do aim to have a level of lightheartedness and humour, and we'll provide an opportunity to send messages to listeners all over the country, and maybe abroad too, who may be isolated from their communities due to their sheds being closed. Now, we have shedders Kate, Dan, and Chris with us today, all taking part remotely. Kate Gordon is the UK Men's Shed Association National Shed Development Manager and has probably visited more sheds across the UK than the rest of us. She also runs a great charity called Ruby's Yard. We also have Dan Gmai, founder of the Westbury Shed. He does music, video, podcasts, shedding, and lots more. His skills and hard work have been absolutely vital to the show going out, so thank you, Dan. He's also a musician. And uh, here's a topical piece from Dan. Now I've coronavirus And I'm not much pleased Seems keeping at a distance Doesn't save you from a sneeze <laughs> But don't you fear Cause I'm not near enough to sneeze on you Stay up late, self-isolate On your Apple or your Windows Yeah, that's a great one, Dan. Thanks so much, mate. Um, and we also have uh, Chris Lee here. He's the uh, trustee of the UK Men's Shed Association. Chris set up the repair shed in Hemel Hempstead. His day job is mentoring long-term unemployed people in East Hertfordshire three days a week. So thanks for all those taking part. Please say hello, Shedders. Hello, Shedders. Thank you. Um, okay, Thank this you. show can be heard again on Froome FM from 2 p.m. on Saturday. And it'll be available as a podcast on the Froome FM website. Just search for Shed Happens on Froome.fm. Now, over the last week, I've spoken to dozens of shedders across the country, and um, many are confused, worried, angry, lonely, irritated, frightened, aggravated, frustrated, bewildered, lost. And I personally felt all those things. And whilst I'm devastated and fearful about the potential loss of life and suffering during this pandemic, some people are saying they think maybe good things will come out of this when the whole wretched thing's over. Perhaps we won't take things like going to school or pubs or socialising for granted quite so much. And perhaps the good neighbours scheme popping up everywhere may continue. That's, uh, that's my view. Anyway, can we just go around our guests to see how you're feeling about the current situation? Kate, perhaps you could kick off. Yeah, I, I uh, echo, um, I guess, the, the variety of emotions that... Um, that seem to be coming up um, as we try and adjust to this this new world. I personally have a lot of worry and concern about some of the nearest and dearest to me, my sister who is on the front line, and my dad who has underlying health conditions. And even some of the use of the language that there's being like social isolation, which is the very thing that we're trying to combat. And things like lockdown, where it sounds like we're going to be in a prison where... So, yeah, I, I, I am worried about, you know, all the suffering that's already happened and, and what's to come. Um, I guess on the, on the flip side, I also do see 
some some positives in that um, I mean as a somebody who's working and part of a working world with lots of friends who are at a pace of life which is just unsustainable uh, the levels of anxiety and stress now is, is really high and, and this is potentially forcing us to, to slow down um, and again like you said Patrick an appreciation for the freedom that we we take for granted you know the food system that supports us the NHS um, and maybe it'll give us a chance to cope with less essentials as we stop buying <laughs> in mass. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a real strange, strange mixed emotions for me. Um, for me, I'm, I'm quite safe. Um, uh, but yeah, I, 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 my heart goes out to everybody that's out there that is um, you know, going to find this, this adjustment quite a, quite a challenge. It is, it is a major change. Um, I found myself rationing toilet paper. Um, and uh, be much more careful with the food that we eat too, in terms of um, wastage. It somewhat feels like we've gone to war a little, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rationing. Um, I guess I hope that the environmental impact will maybe ring some alarm bells about how we, we adjust our behavior to support those, those issues as well. Well, let's say that uh, Beijing, the, uh, the CO2 output in Beijing has gone down by 25% yeah. um, over the last, um, whatever it is, seven weeks. Yay. Silver is, lining in every cloud. Exactly. So, um, yeah, well, thank you, Kate. Um, now, maybe Dan, Dan, can we turn to you and say, how, how are you feeling about things generally? Of course you can. Hello, Patrick, and hello, everybody. Um, it's, um, I, I echo a lot of what's been said here. I think um, I've, uh, I've kind of lived in um, splendid isolation myself very often, having been self-employed for years. And so um, it puts you in a kind of a unique situation and being reflective uh, about things um, and having as we all have worked within the, uh, the shed network that makes us too um, very aware so as prepared as you can ever be for something on uh, on this scale we are in a situation of sort of mass shock at the moment as a planet uh, I, I can see that everybody's in shock because I'm seeing the way that they respond when I'm out you know, my morning walk um, or uh, or just talking to somebody that I know very well who's normally very rational it's um there's a very little rational uh, rationale around at the moment and I think um, a lot of that is just down to complete news media overload I think um, it's absolutely essential you've already mentioned at the beginning of the program Public Health England, Public Health Ireland, Public Health Scotland, uh, Public Health Wales, just Google those things and you can find out everything you need to know. It's updated daily. You don't have to expose yourself to so much um, mass media, be that social or otherwise. And if you have a favorite news program or a favorite thing on YouTube, online, wherever, um, go, do it, enjoy that. Get, in that, get as much information and, and, and from that as you can. Um, I think that's essential. The um, but not too much, it's the overload that, that, that does it, yeah. Yeah, and I was uh, gonna say that at the end of, um, I think at the very end of the two hour show, I think we make some recommendations about news um, and uh, you ration your news as well as your toilet roll and your food. What about your personal circumstances, Dan? How, how, um, how well, are you placed? Um, we're, we're, we, we and yourself, uh, I know we, we all live in quite a nice area with countryside around us. Um, I'm in a town, it's uh, Westbury in Wiltshire. We're about uh, 18,000 people. I think Froome, where you are, about 26,000 people. It is. Uh, something along the line. Uh, Kate's in Manchester, aren't you? That's right, yes. 
and, and a population of Manchester. Do you know offhand? Oh, you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and Chris, and Chris, where, where, where are you? Well, 17,000, about um, 13 miles from Cambridge. So a market town with about 17,000. Wow. So you, see, so you see, just in our little areas where we are, there's all of these people that we can still socially communicate with this is going to become a very big phrase we're all we're all hearing this this social communication and physical distancing physical distancing is okay. you know is, is is bang on um social um, isolation we we know a lot about that so um yeah my personal circumstances patrick um yeah i've got uh, my daughter and my wife with me uh, my wife is a is a teacher in a in a local school she's a, a teaching a support teacher rather um, she's now a, a key worker, came home with a piece of paper yesterday saying this person has permission to be out on the streets. I mean, what kind of world are we living in? That's a signed piece of paper from her head teacher. Um, yes, in China, they, um, they, they have QR codes. They have a green QR code if they're okay. They have a, an orange one if they're possibly infected and a red one. Scary it stuff. It won't be long until they're putting them <laughs> here. You know, I mean. On your forehead. Yes. <laughs> sorry, Dan, so, read them. <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt. Not at all, not at all. So um, my son is uh, was in full time education in uh, in London, uh, and then had got a job uh, just and deferred for a year, and then found himself in all kinds of hassles. Was going to come home last week. I went to fetch them, and um, I found out en route to London that um, the person moving into their house had um, had to pull out of the contract because they'd been made redundant. Uh, I came home. Uh, we, we discovered that my wife still has to go in as she's as a key worker, um, which means that she's coming home, um, you know, from having seen children every day. Um, and we've got um, my uh, my daughter who took a temporary job here, and was, it was going really well—a full-time job on a, in, a, in a in a you know a, a six-month probationary period. Everybody laid off. I mean, this is the, this is the same across the planet. It's not here. It's the same across the planet at the moment, and um, it's going to have a a big effect on people's mental health. As I say, we're uniquely placed for all that we are. We are uniquely placed to sort of understand what that can do to your mind. But really, we're dealing something on such a mass scale. So I'm deeply fearful. I think it's so important not to spread um, fear. I think it's really, really important to uh, just, you know, chill with it. Fear is, is, Thank you. Sorry, Kate, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that actually, you know, in, in all of this, that fear and panic is, is, is the most infectious thing of all. And, and, and that is really reflective in some of the behavior that we've seen. And instead of fueling a kind of, oh, well, they're morons or they're idiots, actually, it's a language of perhaps there's just a real misunderstanding. And I think that's really important to not create sides in all of this. Um, there's certainly... Uh, two, two individuals who haven't quite adjusted, which is that my dogs, I think you mentioned that, to Patrick, to, to only, only one walk a day. I'm not sure how they're going to handle that. <laughs> um, the other, the other I, I've met a couple of people, too, who are burying their heads in the sand. I had one person um, actually text me this morning saying, well, we've gone through health crises like this before. And I'm thinking, well, you probably haven't gone through a health crisis like this before. Anyway, Chris, sorry, let's, um, let's bring you in. How are you feeling about the general situation right now? Uh, well, I'm probably no different from everybody else, that when you have, um, as Dan says, you have a massive upheaval uh, and literally nobody knows where this thing is going to go. 
So it's not as if, well, yeah, nobody does know. Even the so-called experts are not pretending they know how it's going to pan out. So I think at the moment, it's sort of this adrenaline thing about being both scary and exciting at the same time. Um, and apparently they are the same emotions anyway. So, um, you know, that's not peculiar. But I think it's something about massive change and the sense in which I have or haven't got control over how over what's going to develop. Um, and, and, you know, maybe we'll discuss this later, but maybe it pointers us to how you can try and, um, yeah, keep going and keep healthy and stay well. And I think partly it's, personally, it's how much do I have to change my routine? Well, um, a bit like Dan, I, well, no, not like Dan, but I've not been self-employed, but I've been working home-based uh, in many of the recent jobs I've been doing. And in fact, my current job, I don't have an office um, and everything I do is either out on the road or it's, uh, it's done from home. So, or, or in a hub, which is now, which is now closed down. So I'm quite used to carrying everything around with me that I need to, to, to work on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I'm still doing my, my um, work three days a week with uh, long-term unemployed people. So I'm very aware of the fact that some of those people in particular are very, very isolated. But I think it's a bit ironic because people who are very isolated actually are potentially better equipped to, uh, <laughs> to make this change than are people who are very gregarious and, and, and out there in the community and busy every night doing things. And um, I had a conversation with one of the guys I work with who, who, who is, um, he lives alone, he's in rural isolation. And I don't actually think he's getting a lot of the news from the outside world, which is probably a good thing. Uh, and it means that he's, you know, he's, he, he's found a way of um, coping with the whole thing, uh, not being in denial, uh, but actually not being aware, not being as aware as some of us are about what massive information there is out there. But, but on a serious point, um, some of the people I'm working with don't have IT. Uh, one of them doesn't have a phone. Uh, and a couple of them don't read and write. So if you're talking about communication, you're, you're having to think very creatively about how do you communicate uh, uh, with people who don't have the traditional means of communication. Do, do you phone your, um, your, your, your clients or the people yes. that you're working what, what, with? Yeah, what, what, I'm, what I'm just working out now, I shall be sending a, a weekly uh, mailing. So that will be emailed to the people who, um, who, who are on email. Uh, the people who aren't, I'll be physically posting it. Um, and I bought about 40 stamps because did you know that um, yesterday postage went up? Yeah. Uh, the cost of post went up. So I bought loads and loads of stamps on Saturday uh, and I'll be mailing stuff physically. And, and for those who are sort of not into reading and writing, I shall be putting some visual stuff in there as well, just so they have that sense of communication. Um, you know, the people who can't read and write do have family who can sort of, you know, explain things to them. So, so I will be sending them the written, the written stuff. Overall, um, it, it, it's whether we have a sense of helplessness or whether we actually think we can control some of what's going on around us. Uh, and I think I'm quite lucky, maybe we're lucky in being in sheds, but quite lucky in my job that it is my role to, to keep in touch with people, to make sure they're not isolated and to try and not feed the, the anxiety uh, which they, they already have. Yeah. 
Chris, thank you very much. We're going to come to other methods of staying connected. Yeah. But for me, um, actually, this is very sociable, even though we're all remote and hundreds of miles apart. Um, in terms of how I'm feeling right now, one of the things I'm, I'm really most confused about is uh, why so many people are panic buying toilet paper. And uh, what's coming up is, uh, is a poem on that subject. The year was 2020, early March or thereabouts, off the back of quite a summer plagued by bushfires and droughts. So the nation was exhausted, many folks weren't thinking straight, which goes some way towards explaining hashtag toilet paper gate. It started with a virus, some say China was the donor. They called it COVID-19, but we called it my corona. And we saw the illness spreading and the cruise ships quarantined and we sanitised our fingers as we lined up to be screened. And then in amongst the panic, someone headed down to Coles and loaded up their trolley full of toilet paper rolls. We'll never know who did it, what their motive was or why, or what brand of roll they hoarded, was it scented or two-ply? All we know is in that moment, when they took it from the shelf, they unleashed a chain reaction as a nation shat itself. Now we've faced wars and cyclones, we've survived them all as one, but a toilet paper shortage? Well, it made us come undone. For the people started hoarding all the last remaining sheets. There were punch-ons in the aisles, there was panic in the streets. Me cracks in need of wiping, someone cried in desperation. What else can I bloody use to solve this situation? Some stooped to using gum leaves. Others left it on the floor. Many wiped with plastic bags and returned them to the store. While others rocked on the veranda with a shotgun fully manned. To protect their precious stock, they'd rather die than use their hand. And the cheeky bidet owners, with their dairy ears unhurt, well, they rented out their bathrooms. $20 for a squirt. But the greatest single irony throughout this sordid farce, you get corona in your nose and lungs not shooting out your ass. So we'll never know when faced with a pandemic level slaughter, why we spent our cash on poo tickets instead of food and water. Cause history will tell you how the virus was contained, but the rush on toilet paper, that can never be explained. And I wonder if the Anzacs were infected by some jerks who'd fight over a dunny roll instead of fighting Turks. Cause it seems to me it could just be a true blue Aussie trait to panic in a crisis and steal bog roll from your mates. Uh, that was a poem by an Australian musical comedian known as Sammy J, full name Samuel J McMillan. And I hope no one was offended by, by the use of uh, language in that particular piece. I emailed him late one evening last week for his permission to broadcast his poem. You know, he replied in less than 12 hours with, hi Patrick, go for it. Cheers and good day from Melbourne, Sammy. <laughs> However, we are in a grip of a very serious pandemic, which nearly all the people in the UK have really so far only experienced on the TV. And uh, the next piece is from a shedder and their personal experience of someone with the virus recorded last weekend on the 22nd of March. Here's Nathan talking about his best friend. It's a, it's a very difficult thing. And so I just wanted to really, you know, get across to everybody that I know it's hard. and. Just, just speaking to my guys, um, 
you know, so many people that it's not real for them yet. Um, and it was brought home to me because my, my best friend who has been uh, a real support for me and she is the reason that I've been able to stay, you know, working involved in sheds and working involved at national level. She's actually come down with the virus and she couldn't say where she contracted it from. But for me, this is this, this brought it home to my own doorstep. So whatever my own questions about it, I suddenly realized, well, we have no idea where we can, you know, contract it from. Um, but obviously she's contracted it and uh, she's in her uh, early 60s. But she has had cancer in the past and had chemotherapy. Although that was quite a few years ago now, I, I do think that she was probably vulnerable um, to it. So just seeing how ill she is, and I, I had to run some supplies up to her. After I closed the shed, I ran some supplies up to her house up on the hills here um, where she is self-isolating. And, you know, she really didn't look very well at all. And so I, I literally had to drop the shopping outside the front door and, and talk to her through a window. So she's watching the symptoms unfold as, you know, <clears throat> per the information guidance is being given so she feels she's now in the final phase but even so it just goes to show how quickly somebody can be struck down with it and that this thing is a hundred percent real and so yes it's tough for the sheds to close but we need to take some responsibility in this and so that's what we had to do and really we were we were more or less pushed by the health board to do this but on reflection now i've had a day or two to calm down it was the best move in light of the in light of the scare and for people's safety now nathan i, um, I do uh, if you get to talk to her through the window again then please uh, give her um our very good wishes and um and hope that she recovers um, soon and, and completely yeah it's 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 thank you it, it's it's a hard thing it's you know, this is somebody that I, I nursed through cancer um, and somebody who, who is like family to me. And so I don't know where I'd be without her. So it, it does bring it home on, on a really personal and emotional level. You know, th this year I had to, to bury one of my friends, um, one of our founder members, Angus Shaw, Gus, as he's known to everybody. And uh, at the last minute, his wife asked me to step in and actually be a bearer to, to carry him into the into the crematorium. And I have to say that was heartbreaking. And I don't, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I really wouldn't wish it on anybody. So I think if we can all do everything that we can, um, and I want to say thank you to Patrick and to Dan and the guys that are doing the radio show, because I think this is something that's been really important to happen now. More than ever, we need to come together as a community of sheds and shedders. And I mean that from everybody all around the world, not just in the UK. And truly lay all differences aside. This, this, this is going to get worse before it gets better folks and so i really would appeal to everyone that if we're going to interact online if we're going to do this um you know campaign of support for everybody that we do all try our best to be compassionate drop our egos and just act in the best interest of everyone and actually begin to stand shoulder to shoulder even if it's not directly together <laughs> we really need to do it more than ever now yeah thank you very much indeed for that Nathan. you're listening to shed happens on froom fm at 96.6 locally and online and on demand worldwide at froom.fm please follow the guidance issued by uk government nhs or other statutory authorities regarding coronavirus and um, apologies for some of the sound quality during the show we are experimenting with all kinds of technology some more successful than others 
Yeah, I think from listening to, to Nathan's very personal account, I think that's the reality for many of us is it, it hasn't really hit us hit home yet. Um, you know, that is why people are not necessarily following the guidance, which is, you know, it is very serious and very important that people do follow that now. Um, and, and I think maybe that will come to light as, as, as we sort of continue down the, this path. Um, I, I like the, you know, he sort of mentioned the fact that we might not be physically standing shoulder to shoulder, but this is a real opportunity for us to see how we can be innovative. And I, I know we're going to be talking about that later in the show so that we can support each other. Um, you know, not just in terms of the physical aspects of food, but also the emotional side of things that's really going to come from from all of this. Um, and I just I also really appreciated his his comment about, you know, this is a time to regardless of borders, regardless of, you know, any sort of historic dynamics. This is a chance for us to really just work together as a shed community to really pull together and see what we can do to support everyone collectively. Um, now, look, we're receiving all kinds of suggestions regarding how to stay connected when your shed is closed. Um, uh, studio guests, have you heard of suggestions or ideas or how personally are you dealing with this about staying connected? Um, Dan, I know you've got some work on, on some things. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yes, Patrick. Thanks very much. Well, um, obviously, uh, working on the show has been, kept us fairly busy uh, <laughs> in the last few days. But, uh, but um, yeah, I've, I've um, got a, uh, an interest in music, as you say, and I've got a lot of... Um, a lot of friends around here who are just excellent musicians, uh, professional musicians, some of them are earning their living from music, and they are completely uh, distraught at the moment. So what's been going on, there's been so much activity with uh, Facebook Live and uh, WhatsApp to some degree for the communication chats and things, um, and we're trying to um, support each other. I mean, I'm, I'm not a professional museum, I, I'm a jobbing musician, I just have I just have fun with it. It's for my mental health. That's why I do music. <laughs> um, but um, um, as far as my other very talented friends are concerned, it's their living. Um, and um, so we've been, I'm working on a podcast currently um, that will be called Global Village. Um, it's, it'll just be a one-off on my We Are The Weather podcast. Uh, and it's going to try and link as many um, of these uh, musicians that I know with people and they in turn um, the, the musicians can then uh, publicize that and what we can link to their band camp pages and their merchandise and stuff like that in a way of just sort of supporting in much the way that things like Patreon support people um, and just really from the heart stuff. You know, it's like um, we want to share this with you. We know we're all going through nonsense and um, we need to find a way through it. Music is one of those wonderful ways um, through things so so that's going on and, and and again i just got involved with this this podcasting thing very recently as you know because we've been using the app to record some of these uh, interviews it's fascinating technology but i fully understand as a as a shedder shed leader ex-shed leader should i say that many people would take one look at technology and go what's that for then what do you expect me to do with that i, I no, <laughs> basically and um we have to uh just find a way of, of, of keeping this uh, community together as, 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 as best as possible. And the more ways we can find to do that, um, and podcasting, I would thoroughly recommend anyone who's got a computer or a, or, or, a, or, or a smartphone, get into podcasting, have a listen, not to produce them, but to listen to them. There's some fantastic output, fantastic output out there. And um, the other thing is simply WhatsApp. If you have a smartphone, um, 
and you have contact within three meters of someone who knows how to use WhatsApp, try and get you to teach you remote, remotely how to use it because it's fabulous. I think, Dan, I think you're absolutely right. But I think people who are, are gurus at WhatsApp, FaceTime, Facebook, you know, Zoom and all the other applications need to put their hands up and help people because um, um, we have a WhatsApp group just set up in the neighborhood and um, by one of the guys who's very good and it's, it's already doing tremendous stuff. And we're closer to our neighbors now than we were two weeks ago. So thank you for that, Dan. And maybe we can go to Chris. Chris. Um, yeah. How can, um, how can people and Shed stay connected? Well, I, I suppose uh, um, I, I'm reflecting about two years ago, um, I did some reflection on, on generally how shed, Sheds have helped me personally with my, my well-being. Uh, and I actually wrote down some personal reflections and I'm now sort of finding out really whether they're right or wrong. Um, and like all these things, I like alliteration. So I came up with three C's. Um, and these are things that work for me, but might work for other people. The first one was was not is very obvious. Uh, connecting, and I think it's both connecting with people, but it's also connecting with places. Um, and obviously, under this sort of lockdown, uh, we can still we can out and about. Um, for me, it's running um, because uh, well, two things really. One, because I have nice places to run. Uh, and obviously it all is very good and healthy. Um, but also I'm a, I'm a great park runner. And as you may know, uh, park, all park runs obviously have been shut down. But the park run community, and when I talk at park running, I was told, Chris, park run is not about running. It's about community. Um, and our park run, local park run community is, is helping out with people. For example, they're offering um, dog minding um, services. So if you're in, if you're one of the people who actually has to be indoors for whatever, 12, 12 weeks or so, uh, then maybe dog walking is a problem. So if somebody else can help with that dog walking, uh, then that may still fall within the guidelines and whatever. So the parkrun community is very good. The second C is, is create. And I don't mean being creative. I mean creating something that you're proud of. Um, and that could be something to do with cooking. It could be something to do with gardening. It could be something to do with art. In my case, it's to do with um, writing uh, and it's to do with woodwork. And it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. It's, it's just something that you are proud of. And if you're able to share that with other people and they get some, and get some feedback, assuming it's positive feedback, uh, that's even better for thinking, well, actually, I'm not the only one who thinks it's good. Um, other people think it's good as well. And the third C was carry on. Um, and I think that, uh, and in my particular case, it's carry on learning. Um, there's a famous quote from Mahatma Gandhi, which is, um, what is it? Live, live like you're going to die tomorrow. Learn like you're going to live forever. Um, and I think we should never, never stop learning. Um, and I'm putting together lists of tutorials that are around. Every, anything from uh, origami. Uh, you know, why not do some paper folding uh, and teach your friends or share, share with other sheds, you know, what you're doing in the paper folding uh, department. So I think that the, the connect, create and carry on um, has, has what's worked very successfully for me, particularly over the last four years. And uh, hopefully will help others. Chris, you, you, you pointed me to some uh, virtual museum tours too, which I had a look at, which are fantastic. You can visit, if you're online, you can visit any museum in the world just about, 
and um, yeah absolutely and and um if you want um what's his name uh, the, the leader of Coldplay uh, you can actually have him playing in your sitting room because he's done a, he's done a live broadcast which is, you can now get access to um Martin what are this what's his name Chris Martin Chris Martin <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the isolation is getting to me already. Yeah, well, no, well done. Good, great idea. I like, I like connecting, creating, and carrying on. Brilliant. Sorry, Kate. Let's turn to you. Uh, how's your dog doing? He's um, <laughs> wants to. He wants to join in, does he? Yeah, I think so. Sorry about that. I have locked them Don't up worry. downstairs. Don't worry. <laughs> I was desperate to contribute. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess, um, I mean, I think you mentioned earlier on, Patrick, I am in contact with a lot of sheds, um, primarily through the Ambassador Network and, and really having one-to-one -one conversations with them on a regular. Uh, and I think, you know, there's this range of what can we do um, from the very one end, which is about, you know, on the basic level, hopefully people have phones. So I hear that a lot of sheds have set up buddying systems, whether that's kind of like a relay of I'll call Paul, you call Dave, or whether it's little groups that kind of try and support that and, have, and, and, and make uh, proactively try and contact in each other you know, uh, regularly. Um, and then I guess there's this, you know, how do we sort of become a bit more uh, experimental with technology when that's WhatsApp groups and things. In fact, I've been invited to something new called House Party, which is something I'd never heard of before. And it allows you to connect with people that you might not have ever ne necessarily met before, um, but it's friends of friends. So yeah, there's some really good stuff out there, but I think at the very basic level, uh, using phones is, is probably uh, what's going to work for the majority of people. And I think from my own person, I mean, I've been a home worker for years now, like six or seven. And I did find that adjustment of being at home on my own all day quite, you know, I, my boyfriend would get home and I'd be there behind the door like a dog, sort of like, can somebody speak to me? So I think, you know, that kind of feeling of, you know, you, you have to stay within the boundaries of your own home can be a really difficult adjustment. Uh, and from my own personal experience, there's two things that I prioritize. And one of those is routine, which is definitely out there in the advice. So, you know, things like even using the excuse to get dressed and, you know, don't just swan around in pajamas or sort of lazy clothes all day. Actually getting dressed can kind of give you that feeling that, that you're up, you're part of the day. Um, and prioritizing food, what you're going to eat, part of self-care, doing a bit of movement, whether that's in the garden or, or you know, the one walk a day. Um, and yeah, I think for me, even things like how much news you take in, we've talked about, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but almost looking at news and when you feel strong enough to do that, rather than just saying, I'm feeling a bit worried, I'll just check what's going on. That's probably one of the worst times. <laughs> yeah. I, I, my suggestion is like, like um, going outside once a day for exercise, just have news once a day as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's something, certainly my, my dad, I would say, he he's, he's, uh, struggles with mobility now because of, of arthritis. So all of his practical stuff has taken a slower pace, and actually it means that his feed of news is probably heightened. So, yeah, I think I think that's um, really, really important advice, Patrick. Um, specifically from Sheds as well, I mean, I you know, this kind of idea of how you connect and, 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 and how you um, have a purpose when you get up in the morning. 
Um, I think if we can proactively ask the question, you know, what are you going to do today? And then almost kind of ask people to feedback on how they got on with that. So it just encourages people to, to be active and to do something and to focus on something. Uh, I mean, I know some other sheds are being very practical about things. They're taking time to look at policies and procedures and applying <laughs> for funding. <laughs> and they're divvying that out. So they're shared ownership and responsibility. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hope they have fun. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's some interesting ideas floating out there as well. I mean, there's one shed up in North, uh, Dalbeatie in Scotland. Uh, and just so happens that shed, the shedder actually owns a private piece of woodland. And he's offering out for people to go and walk in isolation, completely away from any of the crowds and, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, and just connect. He's calling it forest therapy. Forest therapy. Yeah, yes, so it's, a, it's a beautiful idea. Uh, I know that the one shedder has been isolated to his bedroom and is now decorating it. <laughs> Go on, sorry. Uh, oh, I'm just going to say, Kate, it's great. If, he, if, he's, if he's got his forest land uh, up for people to visit, maybe you could give, give him a chainsaw and a and a few bits of Bob to go around and do a bit of uh, work for him at the same time. Back to you, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kate, Kate uh, my next door neighbour is worried that his kids are not going to be able to see the passage of time. So what he's do, planning to do is to paint one wall a different colour on a, like a weekly basis so that they can start seeing changes rather than just the same thing happening mm -hmm. again and again. Yeah, I mean, that's a lovely idea as well. You know, at the weekend, when it, we sort of heading towards lockdown, I saw the first bee, you know, going out and actually really looking at the detail of life. How often do we not get to do that? So maybe just sitting out and creating spaces of, of calm is, uh, is something that would be nice as well, if the weather's nice, of course. I guess my final thing is, and I don't know where this idea has come from, but there was this idea of doing a relay shed idea. So perhaps coming up with a particular idea where each person in their home makes something, whether they've got a, wood, a workshop or, or something. And then when the shedders finally do get to come back together, it creates a collective project. So I haven't got any ideas. Maybe a doll's house was the only thing I, I thought up. But yeah, maybe that's one for, for the audience to have a think about how a relay shed project might work. <laughs> there was one shed that put an idea on that basis, which was to make a clock out of 12 unique segments and each shedder design that segment and then um, and then carve it or paint it or write on it and then um, then all come together at the end to to, to, com to to put it together when this lockdown is over yes yeah, celebration and actually using Facebook I think that's one platform I see a lot of shedders using so they're using that to update on pe what people are up to or even yeah this shared collective project yeah it's a, it's a great idea keep momentum sorry Dan did, did you want to say something Dan uh, no, I mean, uh, not really, except the, again, on the Facebook front, we know um, that a lot of people do use it. Um, we also know that um, a, a huge majority of shedders um, don't still have access to uh, um, this, this kind of technology and some are, you know, completely resistant to it. Um, so in any of these ideas, if we can find a way to include the people that are online with the people that aren't, um, we'll really be winning. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say there. Brilliant, thank you. Um, and uh, for people listening and for, for sheds around the, around the country, if you've got ideas on how to stay connected, and there are lots of ideas out there, then uh, please do do email us at uh, shedhappens at ukmsa.org.uk. Send us photographs and, and, and ideas and, uh, and the music as well. We'd, we'd appreciate that. In the next show, we've already got some suggestions which we'll, we'll, we will carry forward in terms of, of ideas, um, and I'll be in touch with people on that later.
anyway so thank you very much indeed um for that and i think that'll become a bigger subject for next week's show and uh using some of the examples that we get sent to us so thank you for that okay now the next piece is a pre-recorded interview with nathan surrier from the denby shed and nathan is also the chair from the uk msa now we heard from him earlier about his experience with his best friend who was ill here's nathan Hello everybody, my name is Nathan Surreya and I am the project director for Denby Men's Shed in North Wales and also the chairman of the board of the United Kingdom Men's Sheds Association, which most of you know as the UK MSA. I've been involved with uh, sheds and shedding for uh, almost five years now and started my journey with Denby Men's Shed and it's an interesting story because at the time in my life that I came into shedding, I was in a very, very bad place in my life. Uh, I'd been made redundant, or I was really underemployed. I was very depressed and very isolated. And it took me six months to get through the door of my own shed. The day that I did, I found they had a job going. And so by serendipity, I applied for it and um, got the job. And the rest is now history. So Denby Men's Shed was originally created. It was set up by, um, initiated by the Red Cross in the early days as part of their befriending service, which they were doing at the time in 2014. And it um, <clears throat> was supported by the Vale of Cluid Mind organization in its early days with some funding. Um, so the guys came together, then they were supported with some funding. That was September 2014. And I joined the shed in May of 2015 as a um, coordinator and support worker um, employed by by Mind with the money that they brought down from Santander. So the early days of the shed were really about organising everyone, bringing everyone together, making sure the committee was supported. And really my role was to make sure that the shed would be supported to be self-sufficient. The thing was, I think we just got on so well as, as, as people and had so much fun in what we were creating that we just sort of went with it we began to really come together and find our own identity at the time we were working towards just just getting you know as a fledgling shed like like you all know when you start off everything's a great big learning curve everything's an upward curve you're you're making you're doing you're meeting and greeting and um we were working uh with the support of uh Saipul from Mensheds Cymru at that time and so we began to sort of meet the other sheds in the area and pretty soon I think because the, the, the history of the town of Denby in North Wales, uh, at the foot of our gardens, you can see the extensive Victorian Gothic uh, North Wales Hospital, as it was called, or the Denby Asylum, which <laughs> it really either employed, uh, you know, most of the town or most of the town knew somebody that was in there. So it's, uh, it's now derelict um, an our house that we operate out of the base building called Trevarian, which we have the gardens and grounds um, to play in was built originally by one of the um, head clinicians at the time in about 1895. So as we came together as a, as a team of people, as a team of guys, it became clear that uh, we, we were gaining real momentum. And for us, there was a great deal of excitement. This is one of the things I love about Sheds is the, the ideas that, that bounce for other people. And we actually went to a meeting uh, with a few of the other Sheds in North Wales, which spawned the idea of Shedfest. And uh, as we were the shed that had the, the grounds and gardens, the actual space to accommodate it, some of the other guys were doing uh, musical stuff. Someone else was making homebrew. So we came up with the idea. We just thought, it, well, we're like, wow, shed fest. 
because Mind at the time didn't have any any event organised for uh, World Mental Health Day, the Shed stepped in and said we would like to run an event for World Mental Health Day, which was October the 10th, uh, 2015. We basically put a great big marquee on the lawn. We got everyone organised to come, and that was all the the, the sort of uh, fledgling sheds at the time in North Wales. A lot of statutory body organisations were represented there and uh, other stakeholders. And uh, it was a really successful event. It was really based to be around the the guys, around the sheds, and just to celebrate shed culture. And it just goes to show that what you can do with a little bit of daring, we really had to sort of push the boat out to make it happen. It was a hell of a lot of work. And uh, the most expensive part was this great big wedding marquee that we had to hire for the event, um, which was a 15 meter by nine meter wedding marquee, which just about fitted onto our back garden on the beautiful lawn there. So um, it was a, a really exciting time because no one had ever really sort of tried anything like this to involve the guys, to get people there, to actually talk and to play music. And so we were really, really excited about it. On the actual day that it came together, it was, uh, the Red Cross guys came and spoke about their experience of, 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 of seeing this, you know, a beautiful movement start and how far it had grown, how fast it was growing. Saipul was there from Mensheds Cymru. He got up and spoke about his experience of it. We had over 250 people there and it was a really fantastic, fantastic day. I was running around like a headless chicken. I got up and spoke and did my bit. We were handing out awards. We were handing out uh, honorary Shed Eye t-shirts that we'd had printed up for people. And then the best part of it for me was when the, the guys themselves got up on stage onto the microphone and started talking about their experiences and what had led them to Shed. From then on, um, it was really down to organizing things in terms of activities as, as the membership began to grow. It's continued to grow. And so now we have a, a diverse range of activities that go on. We've tried to maximize every bit of space around the site so that we have, um, because we have really, really extensive gardens and grounds, it became important to cater for the people that wanted to not be restricted to going into the main building or the busier areas. So we've created outdoor spaces which people can access. And one of the things we built was, and this is partly what we do, it's not just about, you know, making things from wood or metal or um, just the craft side of it, but we actually build things. And so we built this fantastic um, 20 foot by 10 foot crew shed for the gardens team and for the people that are, you know, more on the sort of sensory spectrum um, or, or who suffer with social um, phobia. So it gives them a space to actually access the shed <clears throat> and interface in their own way. Our workshops are the existing Victorian stables, um, which are across from the main building. So they are quite compact, and we've recently built a, an outdoor, uh, a nice lean-to outside, which gives us a bit of outdoor space to use. We do a lot of woodwork. We do a lot of we do a little bit of metal work, and um, for us as well, it's been about engaging people in developing the site itself. We've got such a fantastic site, and so a lot of the efforts, because we are a shed that's open to people from eighteen upwards. You know, we've got a lot of members that come along with, uh, you know, a lot of youthful energy and skill and purpose to actually get engaged in building stuff. So, um, Nathan, this um, I guess this interview is being recorded on the 21st of March. So has has the Denby shed closed? 
Yeah, I posted a couple of uh, videos up on the um, UKMSA Facebook group and on my own Facebook page. And it was really to sort of get a bit of a, a feeling of myself on the, the sort of what felt like the last days of Denby Men's Shed as we closed on Thursday the 19th. I think like everybody, you know, we were trying to balance this this space of how do we how do we do this? How do we look after our members and how do we make sure that everyone's safe in the in the face of this crisis now of course you are chair of the uk mention association and can you give us an idea on the, on, on what that role means um, generally yes stepping in as as chair of the uk mention association the ukmsa was um a, a bold and interesting step for me personally <laughs> having been a part of the association since 2016 late 2016 as Mike Jen was stepping down, I was um, voted to step in onto the onto the board, and it, my first thing, my first main adventure with the UKMSA was to go to the Irish gathering at the time in October 2016, and so it was a real eye opener to meet everyone, all the main players in the sort of world scene at the time, talk to the other associations, talk to the Irish shedders, talk to the Irish ambassadors, and get a really really broad picture, and it it became very evident to me the amount of staff that we had, the infrastructure that the UK MSA had was really insufficient for the amount of growth that we were going to see potentially in the UK. Um, I looked at the amount of people Australia had, the amount of sheds they had, same with Ireland, and just sat there and thought, we really need to get our act together because we will not be able to cope with this expansion unless we really have some you know, good people and some good strategies and some infrastructure in place. It has been a challenge. It's been it's been one of the most challenging roles ever. Um, and I really think for me, a great learning curve, something which has made me a better man in many ways, because it's taught me to be, and I am quite an outspoken person, but there's times when you just have to drop your ego, like I say, and just literally think, well, what is, I have to act now in the benefit of the greater good for the sheds. This is who I am, you know, representing here. And I've, I've tried to steer the UKMSA away from perhaps some of the issues which the other major associations have faced. And from my own experience in Wales, you know, I, I, I strongly believe that sheds need to be free. They need to be the masters of their own destiny. We're all a little bit that way inclined. And I think that I fully support that. The diversity of the sheds, that is their strength. That's their beauty. And I never want to be part of an organisation which dictates from the top down. So I think that just crushes the spirit of sheds. And so it has been a hard journey and I can't even begin to tell you the many sleepless nights that I've had trying to remain in that position and trying to keep that direction, that focus to bring the UKMSA to be what it needs to be for all the sheds. We can't be everything to everybody. It's, it's almost impossible. But is there any kind of closing Great. message that you'd like to give to um, sheds and shedders out there um, with regards to, yeah. you know, the changes that we've obviously seen take place in the last week? Yes. In summary, I'd like to say, everyone, that I really, really would urge you to make sure that you do, although it's hard, make sure that your sheds are closed, that people aren't attending in numbers just because of the risk to everybody involved. And whilst I'm saying that, I know how hard it is. It was hard to turn the keys in the lock of those doors and to say goodbye to my guys um, for all of us. I'd urge you more than ever to work with each other, to support what we're doing here online. If this is what we have to work with, 
let's use our gifts and resources to work together to support all those of our members that might be isolated. Make sure you're in touch with everybody. Keep touching base. And we just have to move and adapt with what we're being shown and what we're being directed to do. Nathan, thank you. Thank you very much indeed um, for that. And um, best wishes to all of the shadows in Denby and across, across the country. Likewise, Patrick, to your guys. And thank you for this opportunity. It's been really good. Okay, Dan, do you have any other any other questions? I was going to say, it's a bit rude, really, that Nathan locked all these guys <laughs> in the shed. I should, I should have said that. <laughs> that's, what it, that's, what it, that's what it sounded like to me, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much indeed for that, Nathan, and uh, best wishes to all the Denby Shedders. Now, you're listening to Shed Happens on Froom FM at 96.6 locally and online and on demand worldwide at Froom.fm. You can listen again to this show or any of the Shed shows by searching for Shed Happens on Froom FM. And don't forget, follow government instructions and NHS guidance with regards to the virus. Now, Dan, I think you've got some, something to say about the, the section we just heard from Nathan. Basically, I mean, I think it was, it was wonderful to listen to Nathan again there, talking about um, his own experiences getting through the shed door at the very beginning when he got involved. I, I completely related to that. And um, uh, we know that uh, building the community is really essential. So uh, we'll, we'll go forward with that. Okay, so Dan, thank you very much for that. Chris, I don't know whether you want to make a comment about um, yeah. Um, I've not been to the I've not been to the Danby shed, but as as Nathan was talking, I was sort of building up a visual image of it, um, and uh, sort of following on a bit from what Kate was saying about a shedder who happens to have some woodland. Um, that it seems to be that at the Danby shed, as much is happening in the in the out outside of the shed structure. Um, so they have a, an entrance. Of, an emphasis on gardening and, of course, the therapeutic value of gardening and of being outdoors. Um, and I think the other fact was that they'd actually literally made a shed uh, as part of their activity. Um, and I think it's quite important to recognise that when, when we are allowed to uh, communicate more widely uh, and have that contact, that actually sheds, it, it's not really what goes on inside the shed, it's the wider connections that those sheds make. Um, now we've got some music leading up to the break, and we'll be back after that in, the, in a couple of minutes with an advert break. The music we're playing out on is Connected, the title track and first single from Stereo MC's third album, which frighteningly was released nearly 30 years ago. Anyway, so here's Connected from Stereo MC's.
Uh, welcome back to part two of Shared Happens. You're listening to Shared Happens on Froom FM at 96.6 locally and online and on demand worldwide at Froom.fm. I'm sorry to be repetitive, but please, please follow the guidance issued by UK government, the NHS and other statutory bodies regarding coronavirus. Now, uh, there's a piece coming up recently streamed, uh, re- from a recently streamed video from the Guernsey Shed. They've named their programme Shedcast. Brilliant, brilliant name. And you can see the link to this video on the Shed Happens website, which I'll give you a bit later. Um, you can find it on YouTube too. Um, now, this is a sad word of warning from Mark Smith. Now, Mark is the Shed Chair for the Men's Shed in Guernsey. He has a background in offshore finance, but he hopes people don't hold that against him. Um, and he also hopes to make the world better through shedding, cycling, and generally being an all right kind of guy. He founded, uh, Mark founded the Guernsey Shed along with Marcel Lenormand. Um, here's Mark's advice on scam calls during this period um, with an introduction from Marcel. Floating around in the background, we've got back on the stream, uh, we've got Mark Smith. <laughs> now, Mark, um, we're not allowed to talk about some aspects of this, but, but, but somebody's <clears throat> started flagging with you. Uh, some yeah. concerns about people who are vulnerable and isolated in our community with respect scammers. Could you just share a little bit of what you've heard? Uh, and then maybe in future casts we can, we can pick up on this more formally. Um, but I, we decided that we wanted to show, say something on this cast because getting that information out, a word of caution to, to fellas and, and ladies, it's worth doing yep. early. Mark, what, what have you got? I think it's fair to say that there's an element of the community that will take advantage of current situations for their own financial gain. Um, And it's become apparent in the last week or so that people are particularly taking advantage of um, the coronavirus and the fact that people are worried. Um, and and this is this is basically scammers. These are these are the people that would be phoning you up from India and telling you that you've got a problem with your computer and they need to uh, check for check for viruses uh, and they need access to your computer that sort of thing. Um, we've also got had um, I've heard that um, people are being phoned up and told that their accounts their bank accounts have been compromised and they need to transfer money to a safe account. Um, sometimes they've, the stories are very convincing and they've related this to the current coronavirus scare. Um, and you think, how, how can anybody do that? But the convincing stories are mentioning key words like coronavirus and account compromise, things like that. Um, you know, some things, one of the suggestions was that your, your bank has been, uh, infected with people who have coronavirus, they can't go in, they can't look after your money anymore. They, uh, please, can you transfer your money to a safe account? Now, <clears throat> having spoken to the banks, this doesn't actually happen ever. A bank will never phone you up and ask you to transfer your money to a safe account. So if you do have anybody asking you to do that, no matter how convincing they are, don't listen to them. Don't do it. Don't follow their instructions. The easiest thing to do is to hang up your phone. Important thing to remember is if you hang up your phone, um, and some some things the scammers do, which is very clever, is they'll say, 
Um, okay, just for security, obviously this is something that we um, recognise as security risk. Hang up your phone uh, and phone back your bank. And a well-meaning person will hang up the phone, phone back their bank, uh, and the person answering the phone will say, oh, yes, it's a such and such bank, and uh, how can I help you? And then you'll tell them the details, and they'll say, oh, right, yes, okay, we'll arrange that transfer for you now. What actually has happened is the scammer hasn't hung up the phone. They've um, played an audio recording of a dialing tone. They can hear you pressing the numbers, and you end up speaking back to the scammer. <coughs> So in that instance, if you're asked to phone back your bank, don't do it on the phone that you're using. Use a different phone or phone someone else and try and break that contact that you've got. Um, break that connection with the scammer. Uh, and then either do one or two things. It's either phone your bank on a number that you know is your bank, not a number that you've been given by the person on the phone, or phone the police, and they'll be able to advise you what to do. Um, but your bank will never, never, ever ask you to transfer money out of your account. Uh, one of the other stories that we've heard uh, on the grapevine is, um, this one relates to the UK, but it could happen anywhere, um, is that people are turning up on doorsteps um, offering free coronavirus or coronavirus testing. Sometimes it's free, sometimes it's not free. Um, no organisation is actually doing doorstep testing for coronavirus Un, unrequested. So if you've requested it, then it might may happen. Your, your public health service might do it. But nobody is doing online doorstep testing for coronavirus that is unrequested. Um, what these people are doing, uh, are ta uh, asking for a cheek swab or a, um, a nasal swab or a swab of some description, putting it in a very official looking pot uh, and then using a, uh, an, a, a mobile card payment device and taking card payments or actually coming into the house and using distraction techniques uh, and doing things that way to, um, you know, to do something that isn't great, i.e. burgle you or, or whatever. Um, as I say, reiter uh, and I can only reiterate this, um, Unless you've requested a doorstep or a visit for someone to um, come and test you for the coronavirus, it's unlikely, very, very unlikely, that someone would just turn up at your doorstep and offer you a coronavirus test and particularly ask you to pay for it on your doorstep. So if that happens, politely close the door um, and give the police a call or give uh, a trusted relative a call and let them know what's going on. Um, there are some particularly unpleasant people around that will take advantage of this situation. And I don't want to scare anybody uh, into uh, and thinking this happens a lot, but it, it might maybe one of those things that might happen in your area. Right, oh, you're right. It's not about scaring people, but you've got to be aware um, these scammers are really devious um, and they don't have a, a conscien conscionable thought in their mind. Is that the right word? Um, Thanks, it is now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't trust anybody. <laughs> scumbags. Thanks, Mark and Marcel. It's terrible that some scumbags are taking advantage of people at any time, let alone during this particular crisis. And, Mark, yeah, we think you're an all right guy. Keep up the great work. And best wishes to all the Guernsey, uh, Guernsey shedders. 
Um, I was passed a text scam yesterday that reads this, urgent, UK Gov has issued a payment of 458 GBP to all residents as part of its promise to battle COVID-19. Tap here to apply. And I'm guessing if you tap here, they ask you for your bank account number and sort code to rip you off. So take care. Um, any comments from guests about this nasty, nasty habit at the moment? Dan. Yes, um, thank you, Patrick. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the same old rules apply, don't they? If somebody phones you, uh, don't follow their instructions. If you, you just hang up, you're not sure what's going to hang up, get rid. Um, you know, you've just got to uh, do that. It's, uh, you know, these, the trouble is these people are very good at getting inside your minds and they try very hard, but that's the general rule. They phone you, hang up. Get yeah, rid. and I think if you're on your own, um, my advice is, is, is hang up and call a mate. And yeah. Share, share, yes. Sorry, Kate or Chris, any, any views? Yeah, so I mean, uh, yeah, a couple of things. So yeah, we, we're living in a world of enough fear at the moment. So I, I, just, I just wanted to say that, you know, these people who are out there doing that, taking advantage of, of a really um, frightening situation and playing on people's fear, it is the minority, but it can be catastrophic if it happens. So I guess it's trying not to be scared that, you know, everybody's against you and us. But ultimately, yeah, to be very cautious. And I think there was really two clear points there. One, banks will never ask you to transfer money. And two, organisations are not doing door-to-door -door, um, step testing unless unrequested. And I think that is a really clear guidance. I thought it was an excellent piece. Good. Thank you, Kate. Chris. Um, yeah, on, on a more general point about scams, which is that I, I, I think we're all vulnerable. Um, and even people that you think would never be taken in by scams have been taken in. Yeah. So I think on that basis, um, you know, people say, oh, I don't know how I could be such a fool. And the answer is because we can all do foolish things. And I think the, from the, the individual person's point of view, it's, it's doing what you're saying, Patrick, which is actually sharing that worry, sharing that concern with other people so that you realise, no, you're, you're no more gullible than anybody else. We are all vulnerable when it comes to scams, because they're very, very clever people. Yeah, uh, and they're very clever people who are doing it. Absolutely right. So be um, be careful, but not frightened, I think is the, is the message. Okay, now we're gonna move on to an interview with Robert Vizintena, recorded last Sunday, the 22nd of March. Robert is the project manager for Men's Shed Cymru. And I'm sorry this isn't also in Welsh language, but we do have a recorded Shed Happens show ident in Welsh, that is, spoken in Welsh, you're listening to Shed Happens even when you're self-isolating, on Froome FM, etc, etc. This Welsh version is courtesy of Rhiannid Lewis, so thanks so much indeed, Rhiannid. And uh, following that initial um, ident in Welsh, you'll hear from Robert. The team grander are Shed Happens, he's not of the season and the at Froome FM. Our gael as now the chwech con chwech and say of Neavlein led led a bid at Froome.fm. So now we're going to um, have an interview with Robert from Wales, from uh, Men's Shed Cymru and also um, a Men's Shed. Now we also have Dan in the background. You may hear Dan pop in with a, with a question as, as and when it's appropriate. Hello, Dan. Hello, Patrick. And hello, hello, Robert. So, Robert, can you tell us something about your local shed and, and what you do and things like this? Yeah, for sure. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Dan. I'm Robert Vizintena. I've been involved with Men's Sheds for many years, actually. Um, part of what became the first Men's Shed in Wales, which was the Squirrel's Nest in Tondi Bridgend. 
It's uh, it started off as a small shed of six guys back in 2009, but now, oh gosh, with the men's shed movement uh, coming on, they're up to about 30, 35 guys. I recently uh, have taken on a role with Men's Sheds Cymru as well. I am the project manager for that for that project. It's actually a lottery funded project which supports um, the men's sheds around Wales and the men's shed movement in general in Wales. So, Robert, um, I understand Squirrel's Nest does some. Um, um... Activities like ukulele playing, I believe. Is that right? Uh, yes. It's mainly a woodwork-based shed, but uh, about uh, four years ago, uh, the guys discovered that you could buy kit ukuleles. So they bought a, a kit ukulele, and as you can imagine, they uh, they copied that uh, the plans for the kit and uh, started making all sorts of uh, what we called pimped ukuleles and then moved on to mountain dulcimers again, bought a kit, copied the plans, uh, and, and have gone, you know, great guns on ukuleles and mountain dulcimers. Talk to us about Men's Sheds uh, Cymru. I mean, how many Men's Sheds in Wales are there and what kind of activities go on? Okay, sure. Uh, so, so the Men's Sheds Cymru project started back in 2015. And at the time, there were no Men's Sheds in Wales. The Squirrel's Nest existed, but they didn't even realise there was this thing called Men's Sheds. But what they were doing basically is what we know men's sheds can be. Currently, there are 66 men's sheds in Wales, and that's north, south, east, and west. A little bit of a gap in the middle, although a shout-out for the uh, the Doddy Fixers in Llandrin Dodd Wells, which is right in the centre of Wales. It would probably be split about two-thirds in South Wales and about a third in North Wales, all along the coasts, up the valleys, and they vary massively, uh, You know, as you'll know yourselves. There might be a group of six guys, or up to about 30 or 40 guys in some of the bigger sheds. And again, activities, all sorts of things, you know, woodwork-based. We've, um, we've got guys doing radio in Pembroke Dock. Uh, there's a couple of allotment-type uh, sheds, uh, lots of woodworking. And then we've got those that the sort of social sheds. All sheds are social, of course, but those that just meet up, cup of coffee, play games, or whatever it is that they decide it is they want to do at the time. So your role as the project manager, um, what, what does that involve? In the Men's Sheds Cymru hmm. team, uh, there, there are five of us. Uh, I've got three uh, regional officers. So we've got Simon Poole in the north. We've got Chris Southern in southeast Wales and Ben North in southwest Wales. Uh, and they have a role to help set up sheds in, in their areas uh, and, and promote the, the men's shed movement in general. So as the men's sheds concept has, has gotten out there and more people are aware of it, we're finding that there are groups of interested men who want to find out, you know, what is a men's shed? Uh, how can they set one up and, and, and what can they do? Uh, so I've got the regional officers out there doing that. And we've got Fred, uh, uh, Patrick, I think you know, you know Fred, Fred quite well. Yeah. He's our... Uh, yeah, he's our administrator in head office and uh, font of all knowledge and the first point of contact usually for men's sheds. Uh, and as well as that, I've got um, two mental health advocates that work for us. And they, they one in the north, uh, so we've got Tony Wan, and down in the south, we've got Pete Jones. And they work uh, two days a week, and they are going around the sheds promoting well-being uh, mental health and advocacy so they can support uh, in an advocacy type role 
some of the guys in the sheds and their families uh, if if they feel the need to, and that's been quite a successful project that has. And how long how long has that been been taking place? The advocacy is two years in. There's another year to run that. That's actually funded by Welsh government, and we link in with other organisations such as Mind Haval uh, and the Samaritans. That's fantastic. I think there's things that we could learn from that in the, in the UK across the UK. Absolutely, yeah. Patrick. Absolutely, that's yeah. amazing. Sure. So, so, so at the moment, I'm really keen to, um, I'm trying to encourage sheds to network a bit more and, and visit each other, um, perhaps go a little further afield than they would normally, and just form that sort of friendship group. It's worked quite well. You know, we, we've gotten groups together and regularly, at least twice a year, we like to do a national gathering, although last year we did two. Uh, we did one in the north in Rill, in the rugby club, and we did one in November in South Wales at the Senedd, which is uh, the, the regional government's seat in Cardiff Bay. And it was really good. We had over 100 guys there, and we had we had talks. Uh, guys brought the things that they make of their sheds, and they showed them off. There was, of course, tea, food. Always important to have food when there are shedders. Uh, and it was, it was a really good networking thing. And... Uh, the feedback we got is the guys really like that and they like meeting each other to find out what, what goes on in other sheds. Yes, I know that's um, with the Froome Shed have met up in Carmarthen on a couple, for the last couple of years with their Coracle race um, against um, the sheds in that area too. That's where, where we came across Fred and, um, and the other shedders from Carmarthen. Yeah, I've, I've heard about the Coracle <laughs> races in Carmarthen. <laughs> Sounds like good fun. Yeah, no, it, it is. But now, look, I guess it's tough with these sheds closing because of the latest uh, coronavirus um, requirements. H- how's that been um, affected in, in Wales? Yeah, absolutely. Difficult times. Um, I, of all the sheds that I'm in contact with now, I think most have decided yeah. to close. Um, some started at the beginning of last week and some sort of hang on until the end. I think the decision was difficult for them because for many guys, it's the place they go, it's where they socialize, it's where they have fun. And, I, and you know, some of the shed lead was thinking, well, we want to keep this open because we want, we want, you know, these guys to have something to do. This is where they have their friends. This is where they talk. This is where they have relationships. So it was a balancing act. But I think as the week has gone on as, and we've seen more closures, um, and the social distancing or the physical distancing, as I prefer to call it, uh, most have now decided to close. But, you know, we're encouraging guys to stay in touch, whether that be phone or online or even to write to each you other. Mean, you mean letters? Um, yeah, letters. Good old, good old fashioned, good old fashioned postcards. I mean, you know, many guys are online and, you know, we're keeping our social media fresh and up to date with lots of ideas but there are there are a few out there who really aren't online at all i think most do have telephones and we're encouraging shed leaders to um think about those guys who they know aren't online and just to um you know make that phone call now and again and and put others in touch with each other just to have those have those phone calls fabulous point you make there robert um because um you know it's true there are some shedders that are literally not um not online and um you know some would even prefer not to pick up the telephone sometimes so for the shed, yeah. just shed leaders to get that responsibility and, and get even a little note and a and a hello through the window or away very important yeah yeah well done. absolutely and and of course the, you know the, the the six guys in my team as well they, we're not able to go out and visit sheds now but you know again we're there 
you know, each 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 of my team know know the sheds on their patch, and lots of the people in those sheds, and they're spending their time now making phone calls, making sure people are okay, and and putting people in touch with each other. It's amazing. I, I um, would encourage your team if they're not out visiting sheds, if they've got ideas on how this show can help um, stay, you know, get sheds staying connected, then do do let us know. That would be fantastic. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Another thing I want to say is we're launching um, a newsletter on Monday. <laughs> it's something we've been working on for the last uh, sort of six weeks, and we've brought the launch forward. Uh, we're going to put that out online. But we're, again, we're asking shed leaders or anyone who comes across the newsletter to let us know if they think there's someone who can't access it online, and we'll be printing these newsletters and we'll be able to post those out to, to people's home addresses. Amazing. Whatever you, do you want to give us a, a, a web address for that at some stage, Robert? Yes, absolutely. It'll be on the Manchester Cymru website. It'll be, it's called The Shared Times. Uh, and again, it was going to go out every three months, but you know, in these times when everyone's at home and probably have time and would value a, a good read, we're going to bring the second issue forward as well and the third. So hopefully once a month we'll have this newsletter. That's, that's amazing. A great idea to post out on request. That's fantastic. Um, Robert, look, thank you very much. Is there anything that you'd like to say to um, Sheds with regards to, um, you know, the requests and requirements that come from the NHS and the government or the Welsh equivalent? I'm not quite sure, really. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, the lead in, in Wales are Public Health Wales. I know you have Public Health England in England, but there's a Public Health Wales. I would recommend if you're going online to look for information on, on the coronavirus and COVID-19, that is the place to go. Uh, so that's www.phw.nhs.wales, Public Health Wales. So any closing messages you'd like to, to give, Rob? I'd like to thank you very much indeed for your contribution to the show today. But uh, anything else you'd like to, to add to this? No, thank thank you very much. Uh, you know, I wish everyone well and and stay safe out there. Listen to uh, listen to and, and and please follow the advice of the government. It's it, it's good advice, and um, we need to do it. Thanks, Robert. Uh, keep up the uh, great work. Um, now, in a, another area in Swindon, the ladies' shed launched very recently. Now, the Froome Women's Shed leader Ross Whitehouse interviewed Dawn Prosser from Swindon on their experiences. Here's Ross chatting to Dawn. Right, hello Dawn. Um, thanks for making a bit of time to talk on the phone. I, I've been rounding up some news about uh, sheds and I saw, and it jumped off the page when I saw it, that there's a new ladies shed in Swindon. And I That's looked, right. Yep, I looked at the newspaper on, on the archive on the net and I see that there's a link with a men's shed and I'd quite like to know what's, what's going on. How's it structured and who's running it? Okay. We started the shed about 2017, the end of that. And we started with a men's shed. Um, we had two sessions a week, which was um, a woodworking and an upholstery session. And we did that for quite a long time. Um, and then this year, we've, a couple of weeks ago, we started a ladies' shed. And um, last year, at the end of last year, we also adopted um, Swindon Men's Shed, which was another shed altogether. Um, they were a session for stroke survivors, but they lost their building, so we adopted them into our shed. 
So that's really quite the collection of, quite of people collection there. Quite a collection of sessions. So we do quite a variety of things yeah. at the minute. Mm. You, you say we started. It sounds like um, you're, you're very organised. Now, the shed I come from in Froome, um, we generate all the activities ourselves. The members are all volunteers. Um, it sounds to me like you've got something a little bit more um, uh, managerial going on there. Can you explain that to me? Okay, um, it's my husband had the idea, my husband's Kevin, and yeah. uh, he's the shed manager, so he started it all off, um, and I'm, I'm his wife, Dawn, and I, I help him with all the background stuff, really, so it's really myself and Kevin, um, and then we then got a lot of members, and now we're about to become a charity, of which oh, we'll then have, like, an executive committee okay. of trustees, and then we've got um, a whole, lots of roles which everybody who becomes a member then takes part in. I see. Well, or, or, or doesn't. <laughs> or doesn't. That's exactly right. Yes, that's the plan. So they all do that, and I do nothing. That would be the great <laughs> thing, but that doesn't actually happen. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the things that happens is that when people are retired and join the shed... They've worked very hard and they've probably done admin roles before and they would like a little break for a while. So I think you have to be sort of very accepting when people don't necessarily want to get involved. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. They, they want to turn up, they want to do their stuff, have a yeah. chat, do some woodwork and go home. Hmm? Now, you, you talked about, I see on, on in a newspaper article that there's some teaching going on. It sounds as if it's quite formal. I, I'm imagining from what I've read in the, in that paper that you have sessions to which people which people come and join in. It sounds like quite formal teaching. Can you describe to me um, if it's like that and how it works? Mm, only on the Thursday. On the Tuesday it's woodwork. Um, the men come and they choose what they want to do and it's either stuff they want to do for themselves, stuff for the community, or we make stuff which we then sell to raise money for the shed that's oh, uh, so yes. on, on a Tuesday So and, and also the stroke survivors is like that as well yeah. um, but on a Thursday we do upholstery we have a we're very privileged to have a professional upholsterer and she comes every Thursday she's been here for two years and she teaches the men upholstery oh that's a great asset isn't it and does she give her time for free she gives her time for free, so we were very lucky. Oh, um, right. And the teaching they were talking about was probably my husband, because he, he was doing some sessions before Christmas with yeah. um, a group of female carers. Yeah. Um, and that's how the ladies sh st shed started. Oh, we for female carers? For, just for carers? Yes, for just for Swindon... Uh, Carers, they were lady carers. Yeah. We'd already done some sessions for the male carers, yeah, and they said, "Well, we want some because we, you know." And it was very much older ladies who weren't allowed to do woodwork at school, yeah. and said, "Well, we want to learn because actually, a lot of our partners are um, ill or yes, uh, got all sorts of for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. So they can't do DIY. They wanted to know how to use a drill. How to? They all made like key hooks and stuff like that, mm -hmm. coat hooks, and then we taught them how to put it onto the wall." so that they actually could use a drill, they could put things up and do those sorts of things. So what sort of numbers of women did you have doing those those learning sessions? Oh, we had 13 um, for six weeks before Christmas, and then we had uh, a, a Christmas workshop where we did reindeer. They oh, did activity, isn't it, the reindeer for Christmas? Oh. And then... Um, and then we've just started the ladies' shed. So, obviously, uh, with the coronavirus, um, we started it right on the week then yeah. um, that people were beginning to isolate. So, um, But we know there's about eight or 12 ladies that want to come. Yeah, that's a brilliant start. So when you, um, when you do your, your 
for example, those sessions you were just describing to me, um, were you supplying materials and tools? Have you managed to um, have them donated or collected? Yeah, we were very lucky because where we went to to start with um, on our journey, we've got lots of tools, and then we obviously adopted another shed which also had seven years of tools and equipment. Yeah, yeah. So we really aren't short of tools. Oh, that's um, great. People want to donate them, <laughs> oh. so I don't think so. That's not a problem. So tell me about your premises. Okay, so our premises is um, a community centre. We've just got it last year. Um, and well, is that for your been... exclusive use? Oh, it is for our exclusive use. Yes. Oh. So we've been very lucky. We've built a, I wanted to use it for the actual community uh, because it's in a, a disused community centre. It hasn't yeah. been used for five years. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's in the most deprived ward of Swind, uh, Swindon, um, which is in the most 10% in the UK. Oh, so it's an area where we really want to see transformation. Mm -hmm. And so we've managed to get a grant to put a stud wall um, mm -hmm. three quarters of the way down the hall. Mm -hmm. And so it's got a lockable door and it's got a permanent now wood workshop at the end, which now locks away, which means we can still hire it out for children's parties and things oh that's very clever and you've got storage presumably uh, well storage we, luckily the council have given us uh, a couple of garages so we've got um two garages nearby which put one for furniture because we also do upcycling like painting yes. Yes. Um, and then one we do we use for wood and then the up, then we've that's what we mainly use for our storage. And then outside we've got a garden, which we're about to we're, we're about to transform. Oh, are um, you? Got, How much space have you got? Um, so we've just got this, the main hall, and then it's got then obviously a little kitchen and a, and a couple of rooms. Um, and then we've got to the side is a really nice garden, which we're about to transform. And then at the back is a little courtyard, so they can go out. Um, and we're going to we were going to build a or we will be a, a metal pergola. Oh, with yes. some raised beds and we'll be so they'll be able to sit outside oh that sounds terrific you've got some wonderful plans going there it's going to be hard holding fire while this, I know, um, it's not this body's going around <laughs> We yeah. just got all the money. We were, yeah. you know, we didn't hardly yeah. spend any money at all. People yeah. came and did the whole lot. Um, plumbing for us, the electrics. Are, um, we had all new lighting put in, so we've got LED lighting. And now, of course, we've now had to close. <laughs> well, during this time, presumably you have to pay rent and insurance and all that sort of thing, just the same, don't you? We still got to pay the insurance. We yeah. don't pay rent, luckily. Yeah. We oh, don't pay rent. Oh, so, um, so we have only just got to pay that and the utilities. Um, somebody else actually pays the water. So so yeah. it is mainly electric and um, that's, that's all we have to pay. So we, we are quite lucky there. So although you've got all these wonderful, your, your own individual way of doing things and projects going on, you are still basically um, a men's shed and a women's shed where volunteers are teaching each other and the public so is so. donating. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's exactly how a shed should be. It just sounds wonderful. I wish you all success with the project and hope to come and see you one day. And oh, that'd be great. Lovely, and, thank you. <laughs> and now I have to say um, something, which is this. This piece was recorded on Saturday, the 21st of March, for items of shed news that had been reported before 18th March 2020. So, Dawn, it's been great talking to you today, and uh, thanks very much, and goodbye. That's right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Ross and Dawn, and best wishes to the Swindon Lady Shed. And we're so sorry you've had to launch and then close down so soon. And best wishes to all of the uh, all the shedders there. So, studio guests, any comments on the Robert's Cymru, please? Um, I thought the mental health advocacy programme sounded really great. And what are your views on that? And what are your views on the Lady Shed? Can we go to Kate?
Yeah, um, I was really interested to hear hear about that. Um, I, we now, as the UK Men's Health Association, has a health and wellbeing committee coming together and really looking at how we can support and align the shed movement with the health and wellbeing agenda. So uh, we have recently been in contact with Men's Shed Cymru, and I've been in, uh, had a number of conversations with Rob. So yeah, it was really interesting to hear about that, and I, I will be speaking to him again personally about that. Um, so yeah, very very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. And um, what about the ladies shed, Kate? And the, yeah, the ladies shed. So I mean, it's great to hear uh, sort of ladies sheds uh, because there there are um, lots of women now going to sheds uh, and and sheds setting up, which are women only sessions. Handbags and hammers is a phrase that I've heard thrown about. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's wonderful. At the end of the day, you know, the, the shed movement is um, is diverse, and uh, ultimately, it's up to the shed to make that decision on what's right for them. Um, so yeah, we encourage men only sessions, but ultimately where sheds are embracing women coming in and learning skills, especially for bereaved women who want to be able to put up wall, you know, put up um, pictures and things like that. I think, I think it's wonderful. Good, thank you, Kate. Can we, um, Dan, maybe, can we hear, hear from you? I, I love to hear, thank you, Patrick. I love to hear the, uh, all the upholstery and stuff going on in the, uh, in the ladies' shed. Um, I was gonna say, I, I used to be a surreptitious upholsterer, but I didn't like working undercover. So I had to give that one up. <laughs> but, uh, and um, coming back to, to, to Robert's um, uh, wonderful interview again, uh, I'm just, um, it's just such a shame that we can't go and check it out at the moment in the current climate because we're not allowed to move because we're all doing this self-isolation thing. But believe me, I will be. I'll be going to visit them fairly shortly and, and all the other sheds in Wales. Sounds fantastic. Thank you, Dan. Chris? Yeah, no, I, um, what captured my imagination, as probably other people who are listening, uh, was the idea of getting a ukulele kit um, and then basically sharing, in the spirit of sharing, sharing the plans so that everybody can make a ukulele. Um, and I don't know whether I know what a dulcimer is, but I'll go away and find out. Um, but can, then can, Patrick, I can I just stop you a second? Because I think Dan's piece that we played earlier was on a ukulele, was it? Did you make that ukulele, Dan? That was actually made on a ukulele banjo that belonged to my grandfather, Bert, who's a picture of him behind me. I don't know whether you can see, well, that, obviously the listeners can't see it. <laughs> but uh, old Bert used to say to me, this one, son, this used to belong to George Formby, this one. I mean, he was, I am sure he said that to everybody. Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, it was. And, it's, oh. and uh, yeah, I don't really play it very much, but it, it was. And a dulcimer, by the way, is yeah. a... Uh, a beautiful instrument played a little bit like um, you see these country players, you know, with the steel on their lap rather than the guitar. Oh yeah, it's a little bit like that, but a, but a folk sort of version. It's got a lovely sound, and there's different varieties. I, mm -hmm. I know a number of local musicians. We'll get some dulcimer music on the next show, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. why not? Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Chris. Do go on. No, no, and also um, something you mentioned, um, Patrick, about coracles, which I know you're familiar with. Yes. Um, and, and I think these are just two examples of how brilliantly diverse the sorts of things that go on in men's sheds are. Do you want to tell us a bit more about your coracles? Well, yeah, this, the, I mean, the coracles is, is, is an interesting one. This, the, the, the chap, our coracle king, Tony, he came to the shed very soon after his, um, his wife died. And um, I, I, um, the guys from Cymru Sheds did put a challenge out about a coracle race. So I, I saw Tony and said, Tony, have you ever made a coracle? He said, no. He said, but it's a lifetime ambition. And from nowhere, he built this coracle. Um, and he, um, he named it after his wife. 
he named it Glenis. And um, we, we've raced that coracle two times against the Shedders in, in Carmarthen, had a great time. And there's, now there's four coracles made in the Froome Shed from, uh, from Wood and from um, Wicker and from, there's two high-tech versions made of, um, well, you probably know this, Dan, I don't know, it's where you use, you use um, like um, glass fibre and uh, something else. <laughs> yeah, probably. Coracles I've not built. Oh, okay. Have to say. So yeah, yeah but but uh, yeah, I yeah. mean there are always diverse things that get made. Um, but but those are those are very interesting. And we gave when um, um, we had a visit from the Duchess of Cornwall, we gave her a model coracle, um, which she was which she was amused by. Anyway, sorry, Chris, back to you. That's uh, no, no, no. Just when I was listening to Robert's piece, I don't know why it came to my mind. Um, and, and earlier, Patrick, you were talking about some um, virtual museum tours. Um, I went to talk to a group of volunteers who keep a museum in Chelmsford going. Um, and they listened to what I had to say about sheds. And then one of them looked at the other and he said, uh, Brian, I think we've been running a shed for the last 20 years and we didn't know it. And I said, no, you don't have to rename yourself. You're a group of volunteers who keep a museum going. And as it happens, I mean, it was quite, um, you know, they were making props and things from the museum and the displays and things like that. I said, you know, you don't, you don't have to turn yourself into a shed. Just accept the fact that you're a group of guys together who have a shared interest uh, and are doing things practically together. So, um, yeah, I don't know where that came from, but that's what the thought that came into my head as I was listening to Robert's piece. Yeah, well, th th thank you very much. Anything else to add? Um, I was going to say, I think, yeah, I just I echo that I think that's one of the things I enjoy about working for the association is just the absolute diversity of the shed movement and the characters that, you know, the, the stories and the faces that every time you open a shed door, it's sort of an infinite <laughs> amount of skills and interest and humour and language. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 it's beautiful. It's really, really something very, very special. I've never come across anything like it before. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Um, what um, I'd like to do now is, um, I don't know whether anybody watches the BBC TV newscast, uh, BBC TV newscast, I'm a real fan, but they had a BBC news reporter on the uh, coronavirus newscast on the 19th of March called Marianne Spring, who introduced herself as a data detective or a disinformation reporter. She had just traced a misleading social media posting on coronavirus and she gave some excellent advice on how to spot fake news. The three golden rules which we noticed from tracking this post are that, first of all, copy and paste is really dangerous. And often you can get messages on WhatsApp or uh, see them on Facebook and they look like they've come from the person who shared them because they've not been shared from another profile, if that makes sense. Yes. So it's really easy to think you're receiving them directly. Secondly, they often come from a vague source. So a friend of a friend or someone's friend who happens to be a doctor or someone's friend mm. who uh, is in the military. Um, and you don't really know who that person is. So you need to try and get to the bottom of it. And if you can't figure it out, it probably isn't true. Um, the other thing is lists of information where some bits of information seem to be true, maybe one or two things like wash your hands, but then, and so you presume, oh, the rest of this must be true. And that's, that's not stupid at all. I think it's really easy to do that. But actually some, some bits of information might be incorrect. It's not like it's all ridiculous fake news. It's quite believable stuff. Um, and it, often it can, we're, we're quite emotional. People are wanting to help one another. And I think that's the key really, is that this misinformation isn't spread 
in most cases maliciously, it's spreading so quickly and so fast because we all want to help each other and share information with our friends and family. But actually sharing a misleading post is far more dangerous for our friends and family than not sharing it at all. We were really pleased to get a very prompt reply to our request to broadcast this clip from Marianne, so thank you. She also confirmed on Twitter recently about a very, very widespread email going around, you may have seen, regarding an email allegedly from a doctor in St George's Hospital in South London. Another misleading post. The advice is inaccurate and not from the hospital, and it falls into the list, the listing one, where there are some good things in it that are accurate and things that are not. So please beware. Um, you're listening to Shed Happens on Froom FM 96.6 locally and online and on demand worldwide at Froom.fm. You can listen again to this show or any of the Shed shows by searching for Shed Happens on Froom FM. Um, a reminder to follow the guidance issued by UK government, NHS and other statutory authorities regarding coronavirus. Um, you can see photographs from today's shows on a bit.ly um, website, bit.ly forward slash Shed Happens 1. And that's a numeric one at the end. Now, look, we're coming to the end of our first weekly shows. Before we go, I'd like to ask our studio guests for any closing comments. So, um, okay, so I'm going to go into the introduction in just a second. Um, someone sent us a posting from a teacher in China, which I think is, is particularly um, appropriate at this time for us. So um, you're going to hear that um, read by Chris and by Kate. So over to you, Chris. Yes, um, it starts. We are just finishing our seventh week of e-learning, seven weeks of being mainly housebound and seven weeks of uncertainty. We are healthy, we are happy, and we are humbled. We are allowed to move around freely now with a green QR code that we show when we get our temperature taken. You get your temperature taken everywhere, and it's just become part of the routine. Most restaurants and shopping centers are now open, and life is coming back to our city. As we watch the rest of the world begin their time inside, here are some of my reflections on the last seven weeks. Number one, accept that you have no control over the situation. Let go of any thoughts of trying to plan too much for the next month or two. Things change so fast. Don't be angry and annoyed at the system. Anxiety goes down and you make the best of the situation, whatever that might be for you. Accept that this is what it is for now and things will get easier. Number two, Try not to listen to or read, watch too much media. It will drive you crazy. There is a thing as too much. Number three, the sense of community I have felt during this time is incredible. I could choose who I wanted to spend my energy on, who I wanted to call, message and, and connect with, and found the quality of my relationships has improved. Number four, Appreciate this enforced downtime. When do you ever have a time like this? I will miss it when we go back to the face pass speed of the real world. Number five, time goes fast. I still haven't picked up the ukulele I plan to learn and there are box sets, TV shows I haven't watched yet. Number six, as a teacher, the relationships I have built with my students have only continued to grow. I have loved seeing how independent they are, filming themselves to respond to tasks whilst also learning essential life skills such as balance, risk-taking, problem-solving. 
that even we as adults are still learning. And finally, number seven, you learn to appreciate the little things. Sunshine through the window, flowers blossoming, and being able to enjoy a coffee in a cafe. So to those beginning this journey, you will get through it. Listen to what you are told. Follow the rules and look out for each other. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Fantastic sentiments. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, so we're, we're very near the end um, um, of the show. Are there any other closing comments from, from, from uh, Kate or Dan or, or Chris? Well, it looks like we've got um, a unique opportunity to start building a better community just one moment at a time. So let's try and do that. Fantastic. I agree. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much indeed, studio guests. And um, uh, uh, this may not survive the edit, um, but um, it feels a bit like a, um, an Oscar thanking ceremony. We've had nearly 20 people involved in making this show. That's including um, Dan and, and Kate and Chris from Froom FM, PJ, Rupert, Julian, and Matt. Um, Charlie and Mark have, have helped from the Men's Shed Association and uh, Nathan from uh, Denby Shed. Ross Whitehouse from the Women's Shed. Marcel de Normand and Mark Smith from Guernsey. Dawn Prosser from the Swindon Shed. Sammy Jay um, from Australia and Marianne Spring from the BBC. Robert Vicentania and Rihanna Lewis from the Welsh Ident. And so I'd like to thank all of them. Um, and I'd also like to really Lastly, I'd like to thank all those people, NHS staff, GPs, nurses and doctors and care workers who are bravely looking after us. Thanks for your hard work. And thanks, um, Patrick. It wouldn't have been possible without you. Yes, thank you, Patrick. <laughs> well, you're very kind. Okay, in next week's show, we are hoping to feature some sheds from Ireland on the base, islands around the UK, on the basis that island-based sheds are probably better at dealing with isolation than the rest of us. So we hope to hear from Guernsey, the Isle of Wight, Anglesey, and Shetland. We may hear from a Shetland currently in quarantine after he got stuck in a cruise. We'll also hear an extract from BBC Radio's for Saturday Live about a shed in Scotland. It was transmitted on the 14th of March, which for me now feels like months ago, um, from a really a different time. But importantly, if you've got any comments or suggestions, or you want to send us music or ideas for connection, please do email us at Share happens at ukmsa.org.uk and do follow those instructions from UK government. Um, this has been this week's Share Happens on Froom FM 96.6 and online at Froom.fm. You can listen again to the show or any other weekly Share Happens by searching for Share Happens on the Froom.fm website. The next Share Show is scheduled for the 1st of April at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. that is. Um, before we go, I want to say best wishes to a leading Froom Shedder, Phil Courtney the Froom Shed Chair, who is really poorly right now. So uh, all the best there, Phil. Um, that's it for today, and thanks for listening. So um, say goodbye, studio guests. Goodbye. So it's goodbye from Dan. And goodbye from Kate. And goodbye from Chris. And goodbye from me, from Patrick. Okay, so let's all stay at home, protect the NHS and save lives. Now we're going to close with some music from Jack Johnson, Better Together, and we are all better together, of course, for the moment, that's spiritual togetherness, or virtual togetherness, not physical togetherness, um, unless it's within two metres as per the current guidelines. So thanks for listening. Please listen again on Froom FM next Wednesday, 10am, 1st of April. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.
There's no combination of words I could put on the back of a postcard. No song that I could sing, but I can try for your heart. Our dreams, and they are made out of real things, like a shoebox of photographs with sepia tone loving. Love is the answer, at least for most of the questions of my heart. Why we here and where do we go and how come we're so hard? It's not always easy and sometimes life can be deceiving. I'll tell you one thing: it's always better when we're together. Mmm, it's always better when we're together. Yeah, we'll look at them stars when we're together. Well, it's always better when we're together. Yeah, it's always better when we're together. Find their way into my dreams tonight, but I know that they'll be gone when the morning light sings or brings new things. For tomorrow night, you see that they'll be gone too. Too many things I have to do, but if all of these dreams might find their way into my day-to-day scene, I'd be under the impression I was somewhere in between, with only two, just me and you. Not so many things we got to do. What places we got to be? We'll sit beneath the mango tree now. Yes, always better when we're together. Mmm, we're somewhere in between together. Well, it's always better when we're together. Yeah, it's always better when we're together. Show at shedhappens at ukmsa.org.uk, and there is a link to the dedicated page for this episode in the podcast description. Many thanks for listening to We Are the Weather. I look forward to seeing you all again soon. Bye bye. <laughs>